Hello and welcome to the Stress Sessions Series 4, Episode 15 and you are listening to me, Luke. So thank you for listening. This week I've been so tired, I've got to admit that I have been doing this running challenge that some of you may have seen, but it's one where I'm completely out of my comfort zone. Well, I am in my comfort zone because it's a running challenge, but it means that I'm having to run every single day, 10 kilometers every single day for 100 days. And I started doing this, uh, I think it's the start of June. Yeah, the start of June. I'm still doing it. And this weekend, I got to race, race, not race, that's how tired I am, I got up to run number 30, and I ran with my friend Mel, who I used to work with, and she didn't used to be a runner, but now she is, Um, I remember speaking to her when I used to work with her about sort of five or six years ago, and she used to be like really sort of interested in my running, because I've always sort of done it from a very young age, and when we used to work for the company we worked for, she used to sort of say, oh, how how do you do this time, blah, 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 and all that, and how, like, kind of just questions about running. And now she's she's really, really good. Um, but we went out this weekend. She helped me reach my milestone of run number 30 out of 100, and it was lovely. It was a lovely run. We ran where she lived in Hemel Hempstead, and, yeah, 70 more to go. <laughs> but my final run is on Saturday the 10th of September and the reason why I'm doing these runs is because one, I want to do it for myself, I want to see if I can do it, I've not run loads this year so I thought why not do this, it's going to push me, it's going to push my mental sort of capacity but the main other reason why I'm doing it is for the two amazing charities that I'm raising money for which are Calm, the men's mental health charity which prevent men from taking their own lives and Suicide UK who help men who have experienced um kind of like social social um a sexual assault um being sexually abused and i mean you can probably tell that i'm sort of struggling a little bit to um talk about that but both of those charities have really really helped me in a number of ways over the last couple of years and they're they're the kind of reasons why i'm choosing to do these runs and If you want to join me on Saturday the 10th of September, what I'm going to do is get try and get a crowd of people. I say a crowd, it's probably going to be like one or two people that turn up, but you can find out more information on my At Stress Sessions Instagram page, but I'm trying to get as many people as I can to come and run, walk, jog, or just support me and whoever's going to run with me on the day. It's going to be at 10 o'clock. I can't remember the exact location, but it's on my Instagram page. But it's going to be 10 o'clock Central London on Saturday the 10th of September, which will mark the 100th run in my 100 consecutive runs for Calm and Survivors UK. So yeah, if you can be there, amazing. If not, you can always donate. I've got a donation page where you can sponsor me for all of my runs. That's also on my Instagram page, but it doesn't matter how much you would like to donate or can donate. Anything is fine, um, whatever you can afford to. So a pound, if you can, that pound will go towards one of the thousand kilometres that I'm running over the course of the hundred days. So what I'm looking to do is raise a thousand pounds in total, five hundred pounds for each of the charities. I think that's a lovely amount. It it kind of equates the amount of kilometres I'm running. So yeah, be lovely. But just wanted to sort of 
go into that a little bit and explain why I'm doing it and the purpose I'm doing it for because I feel like I've put it out there on social media but not really properly explained it or let people know the the real reason behind me choosing to do that but yeah let's crack on with this week's special guest and this guy I've known him for a little while um, and I've, I've chatted to him quite a lot on email or through dms on instagram but we've got to know each other pretty well over the past couple of months and he is the founder of unlimited beer who are this podcast sponsors so i'm delighted to announce that this week's special guest is the founder of unlimited beer mr johnny johnson Welcome to the Stress Sessions, Johnny for Unlimited Beer. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How's it going? I'm good. Good to sort good, of finally meet Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because we've been chatting for ages and it's just like, yeah, it's good to, good to meet you in person. Well, sort of in person, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. See your face. <laughs> See your face. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it going? How's your day been? Oh, it's been a busy day, mate. We've, um, I'm all branded up today because I've had so many calls today. Oh, so, nice. Um, yeah, it's been busy, but I'm glad. I'm looking forward to this, and then it's sort of then it's the weekend. So we've been chatting for a little while now, haven't we? Because you've you've kind of like helped out the podcast and sponsored me for a couple of months now. So we've had quite regular contact. But can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do and all of the great things that you're working on? Yeah, of course. So, um, so yeah, I'm Johnny Johnson. I uh, I live in Hartford, yeah, just north of London. Uh, I grew up in Enfield. Um, and yeah, I'm 33. I've got, am I 33? No, I'm 34. <laughs> um, I had to Google my age the other day. I couldn't work it out. Um, <laughs> sounds terrible, doesn't it? Um, I've got a wife and two daughters. Um, Rosie's two and Margot was born this year in February. So she's four or five months now. Um, and yeah, I'm the founder of Unlimited Beer, the alcohol-free beer brand. What is the one song that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? Dancing on the Ceiling by Lionel Richie. What a choice. Absolute banger. Uh, like any reason in particular? So we played it. So we, me and my wife got married in a, we, in a registry office. Um, did like a little sort of private wedding, then we did a bigger wedding. And we and we played that. I played, she let me play that walking down the aisle. Um, I just love it. It's like it gets me up, gets me going, puts me in a great mood. And um, yeah, I just really just just makes me happy. To keep it really simple. It's just it, I'll, da- I'll dance with my little girl in the kitchen um, with it on full blast on the, on Alexa, and um, oh, it's great. I didn't realise you had two kids. Like, I, I thought, oh, you might have children, but. What's it been like? Because you look, you launched Unlimited kind of in and around lockdown, didn't you? So what's that been like kind of launching a business and essentially bringing up two kids in the process? What's, how's, how's that worked? 
So this was, yeah, so in, in 2019, June 2019, got married, had um, quite a boozy wedding, and then decided to stop drinking for three months after that. And then, so this is a bit of a combination of where the brand started, but also about the kids. So stopped drinking for three weeks, um, started to feel brilliant, sleeping better, uh, exercising more. Um, I just felt great. And then, but I missed beer. So then I tried alcohol-free beers and wasn't overly, you know, I didn't really like them that much. Um, then I researched how alcohol-free beer was made and discovered if it's brewed in a certain way, it can be quite nutritional. So anyway, I'll, I'll go into that later. But I then, it's a long story short, I basically was like, right, I'm going to start a new alcohol-free beer brand. And, and then I started to do all the very early days sort of things when you want to start a business. And then the week, the week later, my wife told me she was pregnant. And I was just like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm going to give up my job and we're going to have a baby. So anyway, so yeah, so um, Rosie was born in May 2020. And then we launched the business in June 2020 in lockdown. So that was, it was, yeah, that I really enjoyed being at home, to be honest, um, during lockdown. And especially because we just had a new, new kid. And then, um, and then yeah, uh, Margot was born February this year. So, yeah, it's been tough, mate. <laughs> it's been tough. What well, two is a lot harder than one? That's for sure. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I, I listen. Me and my wife listened to that. Um, it used to be called Lockdown Parenting, but it's called Parenting How now with um, Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe. Oh yeah, I haven't listened to that, but I've heard good things about it. It's it's hilarious, and it's like oh, it's basically my, at the beginning, it was mostly people that had kids during lockdown, and I was like. It sounds like a good idea, but yeah. <laughs> well, it was not, it was nice because you know, in my old job, I used to leave the house about five thirty in the morning to go into London, and then I'd get home about seven thirty at night. So, if I was still doing that when Rosie was born, I wouldn't see her till the, week, the weekend, and that was oh, partly yeah. one of the motivations for starting the business because I wanted to be around. I didn't want to, you know, I want to see my kid growing up. I didn't want to, you know, be working in in London all the time. So. Um, but so I was still working there when I started the business. Um, I went on like parental leave because the baby was born. And um, but it's great. It was great being at home with, um, you know, the first six months, really, when she was born. And then going from so you used to work in London. In What sort of job did you have? Because going from like working in London to like, a, a, I'm guessing, an office job. Yeah. Well, so like to launching a company like unlimited like how how did that work and like what was the kind of process behind that so i was um i got a job um 20 in 2013 as a visiting tailor so i basically i was a suit salesman i used to go around like bespoke suits so i used to go right around to uh, guys offices in london who were like really busy and successful who don't who don't have time to go shopping um and sell them expensive suits, measure them up and sell them expensive suits in their office. So that's what I did for seven years. Um, I loved it. It was great because, you know, you just get to meet all these really successful people. But obviously, yeah, completely different from, you know, starting a drinks brand. Um, But after seven years of being there, I started to fall out of love with it. And um, it was, like I said, it was was fun, but it's more of a young man's game because when I was 25 and doing it, it was great. But when you married and... After, you know, it was quite a boozy um, career as well, if you like. You know, we used to go out drinking with colleagues in the cities, quite a big drinking culture. So it all just started to take its toll on my sort of mental and physical health. And 
and then yeah it all came to a head when when we got married and I was like right that's it I'm gonna stop drinking and then from, from there it all just sort of changed what sort of impact has not drinking had on your mental health like in in the whole because I I didn't really see any thing nothing really changed me in the first couple of months but then I've I've been sober now for what six just over six months and I'm it's really weird because I'll go out and I'll see people drinking and I'll be like uh why are they why are they drinking <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit like I feel like my mentality since I've made that decision has completely changed and I've, I'm a bit like why did I not do this sooner so what what for you was it that kind of pushed you towards that apart from having kids and like essentially starting the brand up so like in, in my 20s I'm, I've, I would put myself in the, the typical you know um, category of going out Friday and Saturday nights with your friends to the local pub local club do shots get smashed be hung over at the weekends and then sort of you know and then go to work during the week and that was it did that and when you sort of you know when I was single when I was with um, girlfriends but then I think when I hit 30 just having a couple of beers really started to affect me so I'd have a couple of beers and I wake up the next day and I feel really groggy my work was so and my job was so uh, sort of high pressured and fast paced and it was just tiring and um yeah it just I it just I, I basically felt like I was living on a hamster wheel of going out on a Thursday after work being hung over on Friday at work just getting through it going out Friday evening for a few drinks go out Saturday meet my mates be hung over all Sunday feel crap Monday to Thursday like feel crap just from the booze but I like, get through the week and then first I'd be like, right, I feel great. And then I get smashed again. And it was just like, and I was doing that week after week. And I was thinking, so I'm working all week. And at the weekends, I'm not even like enjoying life. I'm not going out and doing stuff. And um, I've, you know, we've got a dog and that changed things because getting outside in the, you know, fresh air and taking for walks in the forest and stuff. It's like, this is what I want to be doing. Um, so it's just a bit, I think I just sort of grew up a little bit and um, I just started feeling unhealthy. And, but with my mental health, it just, it did it, you know, hangovers. I, you just feel depressed, just feel depressed for days and you feel so down and you sort of like regret. And it was like, yeah, I just realised I wasn't really happy for a lot of the time. And that's probably, and that was, and then after our wedding night, so on our wedding night, I did, I did about 10 shots of tequila because people just keep giving, giving me shots. And, um, I, I, I obviously had alcohol poisoning because I was ill for five days and it was then that I was just like, I'm not doing that again. And so I stopped drinking for three months. But So stopped drinking for three months and then I was like, right, I've done 100, did 111 days. I was like, brilliant. And then I went out with some friends that I normally go out. I was like, oh, well, I've done 100 days. I said what I was going to do. I'll have a pint. And then the first pint I had, I was just like, oh God, I wish I didn't have that. Had five in the end that night and then regretted it and did another three months. But now I I do drink on the odd occasion now, but it's very few and far between. Because I you know because alcohol I just drink alcohol free beer most of the time. And the thing is as well is like with with unlimited, it does taste like normal beer. You just don't have like the after effects, do you? So I think with with like your beer, I'll, I'll say your beer because it's your beer. But it's it's just different, isn't it? Because it's, it's I had Millie Gooch on the podcast a couple of months ago. 
and we we were just saying like the only brand of non-alcoholic beer that was out originally was Beck's Blue and it was so sh- it's so shit it's yeah. so bad and I think like yourself like over lockdown more people kind of probably thought oh there's a there's a gap in the market for this and like we're, we're indoors and uh, I think a lot of people did resort to drinking myself included over lockdown because there was nothing else to do yeah and I think that people's mindsets change because it's a bit like oh do you know what like this is an unhealthy lifestyle this is a bad way to live like with hangovers and shit like that that I think a lot of people's mindset has changed now because there is that product there that it does taste and look exactly the same yeah no you're right because that's when I started when I when I tried alcohol free for the first time in that three-month period I tried it was Heineken Bex Blue that were in pubs and or bars and I just didn't like drinking it and then and then you used to get stick for it as well because it was sort of quite obvious what you were drinking um and there was times where I drank like a cranberry juice, which was stupid because it's like a red beacon of light. And, you know, people are like, why are you not drinking? <laughs> um, but it, and you used to get stick for it. But it, obviously it's not it's not like that really anymore. But since we launched and there's other brands as well, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of alcohol free options now that taste great. And I think a lot of people just sort of. I like for me, I like the taste of beer. So like when I stopped drinking, I missed beer. So. But I, I, but I hated the effects it gave me, like the hangovers and, you know, just some clarity in my head. So, um, you know, now I can drink beer and feel great the next day because it just doesn't have the alcohol in it. So it's, yeah, the taste is much better than it used to be. Yeah, I, I just remembered like, because I, I, I stopped drinking for, I think it was six months a couple of years ago because I was training for a marathon and... It was lit. We went to this, I think it's a 30th birthday or something like that. And they literally just had Bex Blue, which which is quite rare, like a couple of years ago, because there was usually nothing. There was usually no options at all. And I was drinking it. I was like, I might as well just be drinking water because yeah. <laughs> it don't taste of anything. <laughs> but it's but then like I, th- I think since over the past couple of years, like because there is so many options, it is a lot easier just even if you just take a break and think I'm not going to like you've done a couple of times, like, I'm not going to drink for three months. Like, there's always that option yet option there and you don't look you don't look and feel as bad for doing it in front of like friends and stuff because you can just be like I'm taking a break I'm still drinking beer but my mental health's taken knock so I'm just like do you know what I mean like it's, it's a lot easier to do now I think well it's funny because my my best mate he's it was me and him used to always go out boozing together like in our 20s so when I stopped, he I got a lot of stick from him and he couldn't get his head around it. It's like, what well, why are you not drinking? Just have a beer. And um I used to say to him, like we, sometimes we like there's times that I used to go out to get pissed, right? You go out for a night out, you're gonna get pissed. And there's other times I'd meet him and it would just be for a couple of beers, just for a catch-up and then go home. So you're not drinking to get drunk, right? So if you're not drinking to get drunk, why do you need to drink beer with alcohol in it? Because that's what I said. I said, I don't, I'm still drinking, I'm drinking liquid, same as you are. But, you know, yeah, you won't get pissed after two pints. But if I have that, I feel crap the next day. My, my mate want me to feel crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's changed my whole, like, outlook now because I'm a bit like, the, the reason why I gave up alcohol was because I I'd put myself in so many situations where, 
I could have potentially probably been killed or like, I don't know, like just dodgy. So the first time, I mean, it's happened. The, the ter- there's two prominent times of why I gave up alcohol. And the first one was because we were away in, me and my wife were away in Greece. And I got so drunk that I literally just wandered off into the middle of nowhere. And this this hotel we were staying in was near a cliff edge. Jesus. <laughs> and I'd, I basically had passed out in a bush next to the hotel, like probably about half a mile away, um, slept there, got bitten to shit. Like my legs were just covered in bites. Um, there was like wild dogs like everywhere around me, like shocked that I didn't get babies or anything. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I I walked back into the room and I was like, I literally have no recollection of what I've done at all. I've no, I've no memory of what happened that night. And it was from like probably midnight until eight o'clock in the morning. I was just DOA, like nowhere to be found. Mate, yeah, same for me. There's there's so many things that happened in my twenties nights and you sort of think, I don't know how I've got through it and how I've survived. Because you're so, it is dangerous, right? And it's, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to preach to people that, you know, drinking's bad and people shouldn't do it because people do what they want. It's just getting drunk and getting out of control drunk, which is, it's what's, you know, that's it. it's silly. You don't need to. Um, but yeah, mate, many near-death near experiences. It's not good. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a thing I, I, I don't, I never say to people like, you shouldn't drink because I think that, like there's there's no problem with drinking but personally for me it is a problem and it's taken me a lot of years to recognize that and now I th- I know that it ain't good for me whether I've won or 10 it's not good for me because once I've had one I then want to just get on it yeah well that was that was the same for me mum mum was four pints and then it was tipped over the edge it'll be anything that's the sa- same as me yeah four was my yeah. limit yeah but the um there's there's an interesting, I don't know if you know Andy Ramage. Um, he did. Yes. One. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he sort of was my inspiration really to, to give it, a, uh, give a um, booze a break, but he described it really well that this, you know, 90% of people are, are the middle lane drinkers. So there's, there's like, you know, there's alcoholics, then there's, you know, completely sober people, but there's a massive chunk of people in between who are like the middle laners. And I would put myself in that lane. I didn't. I don't feel like I had a problem. I wasn't dependent on it, but I would like and like what you described. It's like you know you you can have a bit too many, and then anything can happen. You know you're not going to nothing bad, hopefully, but anything could happen. And low, you know, all of my friends growing up in my twenties, everyone I knew did that, and that they all. I, I would class myself as the same as them. Like they would. I think that I put myself in the same category of drinker. It wasn't that I was, you know, I drank more. It's just, yeah, I think it, it it was a bit of a culture when we were growing up, I think, like sort of the, the end of the like the booze Britain culture. Yeah, you're, you're a similar age to me. So I think that like when when I started going out clubbing, it was like, like clubbing doesn't exist anymore, does it? But unless you go to Ibiza or somewhere, but it was it was a year, I think, after like smoking had just been banned in clubs. So or it, it might have been the year after maybe I don't know but it's around that sort of time and it was just like that's all you look forward to at weekends isn't it you just wanted to go out get drunk and like have fun I think yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah you get paid on like the Friday and then just go out and get pissed (laughs) yeah spend all your money (laughs) but it's like 
I think with the same as you, like I, I hit that age because I'm 33 now and I hit that age when I was about 30 and I was like, I need to start being a bit more responsible. And although it's all right to go and get drunk and like, maybe it's even all right to go over the edge sometimes and like go a bit, get properly drunk. I think it's like, I wouldn't ever say somebody like, don't ever do that because that's, that's their choice. And sometimes that's, that's what people live for going out for yeah. their mates and stuff like that. But, for me i i just hit that point where i was like do you know what i'm not actually enjoying this i'm just drinking loads of alcohol like for the sake of it basically because i feel like i have to yeah um all, all because i was sort of like trying to get over something that had so for instance like i um the, the the last time i drank it was because i told somebody about the the sexual abuse on on that night out and they they sort of they, they said something I didn't like about it and sort of it made me feel really shit about it sort of thing and that was the reason why I got really drunk that night um and I basically passed out in the doorway in another town about 20 minutes drive away from where I live and I I somehow contacted my wife to come and pick me up then didn't answer my calls for the next 20 minutes and she had to basically drive around this town trying to find me and I was passed out in a doorway somewhere and it got to that point where I was like oh, we, we both sort of discussed it and we were like it's not you can't drink anymore because it's it's affecting the like it's affecting our relationship and it's affecting like my mental health and it it just got to that stage where I was a bit like look it's I'm, I'm not getting any younger and the more I do this as I go, it's, it's, it was just becoming more prominent. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously and, triggers, like negative triggers, right? And then, yeah, yeah. And then, it, and then it's not like something, you know, a negative trigger makes you do something that's good for yourself. It puts you in a in a frame of mind where you think, oh, I'm just going to get pissed and, you know, forget about it, which, and then, you know, luckily nothing happened. But, you know, it's that, those sort of situations where, you know, God forbid, but that's it's just a day it's a dangerous thing to put in your body when you're not in the right frame of mind. Yeah, a lot of people don't realise that I don't think. I think people probably know that it's not good to drink a lot of alcohol regularly or at all for a start, but they a lot of people probably aren't educated enough to realise that it's a bad thing to put in your body when you are in that state of mind. Mm. Um or they do and they just think fuck it I'm just gonna do it anyway but that, that, that's that's kind of what I thought I was I was one of those people where I was a bit like do you know what I'm in a bad I'm about in a bad headspace but if I drink I'll forget it for this evening not not remembering that the next day you're gonna feel 10 times worse because you're gonna have regret like you said you're gonna not know what you did you you're checking your phone constantly because you're like what what happened what did I say have I fell out with anybody or anything like that and it's yeah but the, for me like the the hangover the, it's like the anxiety isn't it the, the anxiety yeah. the next day is just like yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't put myself through it again <laughs> I just no. couldn't do it well and, and in a sort of different um situation for me sort of what I think what's started it my drinking probably did get a little bit worse towards you know, in my late twenties, my we spoke about this before, but my uh, my dad passed away suddenly in a uh, a landslide while he was on holiday. So he was he was on a he was on a he's in a um, 
um, like natural reserve, nature reserve sort of place um, on a bridge having a photo taken where there was a waterfall. Bright blue sky, like bright blue skies that day, no bad weather. And out of nowhere, the waterfall collapsed. The whole, you know, and there was a massive landslide, killed him and his girlfriend. But I got a call when I was in an appointment when I was basically about to measure a guy up for suits, and I got a call from a a reporter from The Independent saying, um, can we just ask you about the tragedy that's happened to Ian Johnson? And I was just like, what are you talking about? And then and then he, he, he sort of said, the accident happened in Bulgaria. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then um, he's like, oh, I think I've got the wrong person. I hung up the phone. And then I Googled British man Bulgaria. And then the first article was a picture of his girlfriend from Daily Mail about this landslide. So... But that, that then, that was obviously just a massive shock, right? It's going to be a massive shock for anyone. But the aftermath of, because he, he was, he's the dad, right? He's, he's the man of the family. So um, my mum and dad were divorced. So he, the only people that would sort out my dad's situations, estate and everything, was me and my sister. And she was obviously devastated. So I just went tunnel vision into sorting his, his stuff out. And I did that. It took like five years to get all of his affairs in place. It was really complicated because he was abroad and other things. But I was so, so stressed out sorting this stuff out. And then at weekends, I would blow out hard, getting absolutely smashed because I was like, oh, I'm stressed. I just want to relax. And then, and then I was dealing with all of that stuff the following week with like feeling crap from being hung over and then it that happened it's probably it probably spiraled out of control a little bit for the next sort of five years but again it was it's a you know just a like a devastating thing that happens in your life and then you don't really relate it you don't, you don't really uh pay it you don't look after yourself basically and um but then other, other people around you that i think that for me it was other people around me started to my best mate, who was my boozy mate, said to me, he's like, I think you need to, you know, sort yourself out. And then that was like my first, like, bloody hell, if he's telling me to sort myself out, I've got to, mm. you know. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just negative. It's bad things. And then you result, people turn to the bottle. Not everyone, but I did. And it, yeah, it's, it didn't do me any favours, but life's a lot better now anyway. Without Good. getting hung uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I said this to you earlier, but like, I don't know how how you dealt with that. And I mean, you you de- like you dealt with it in the way you did. De- you, you could like because you, you're here now, and regardless of what you did at the time, like getting pissed and going out, that's that that was your way of dealing with it. What was your mental health like when you were going through that like really tough period? So, but it's going to sound really strange, right? But I. I... I think other people would have experienced this as well, but I didn't, I was, I was devastated. Like when I found out and, but then the aftermath, it was just like, right, I've got to sort all this stuff back. Like we had to get him back to the UK, get his body back to the UK. We had to, he had a, he had a his own business that he ran by himself and there's all this different stuff. And it was just like, shit, someone's got to sort this out. And no one's going to, it was all down to me. So it's like, I've got to sort this out. This is my priority. Like the, my nan and granddad were like, you know, I had, he sort of looked after them as well. So then there was all this stuff. And it was just like, I just got, just sort of stuck my head in the sand, not stuck my head in the sand, I just got my head down. 
and just basically just make just try to make sure everything was getting sorted out. So I wasn't really dealing with the grief. And so after a while, I remember admitting to my mum, I sort of said, I feel really strange because I don't feel upset. I don't feel up like anymore. But the first few days you do, but then you get into right, we're sorting everything out. And after about a week, I, was like, I just don't feel upset. And I was like, I feel really it's strange because I feel like I should I should be upset. And my mum said the same. She was like, and um obviously we are, you know, he's he's, he's my dad, right? He's, you know, but it was just there was so much else going on that it just 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 distracted me or or let me um deal with the grief. Which in a way, but all in all, it was, you know, it's made me who I am. And it's, I, I learned a lot of stuff in that period because I had to do all sorts of things, like grown up things when I was 27. I know I was 27, but it's like, you don't think about that sort of stuff when you're 27. It's like, so, um, but then maybe I would have just, been, if that didn't happen, maybe I just would have carried on drinking and then not realise the benefits of not you know, taking alcohol or reducing my alcohol in my life. Because now, like my, I don't, I, I purposely, um, I never want to get drunk again. I might have a pint every now and again, or I might have a glass of wine with dinner, but then I stop because I just know that I don't want that um, hangover feeling. So, because of my dad's accident, it's it's made my life better. That sounds really strange, but <laughs> better than I, it I, been, probably. I get what you mean though, because it's like. It's it's a, it's a, it's a kind of silver lining, isn't it? But I think you not being emotional emotional over that and kind of not feeling upset is that's that's just the way of you dealing with it, isn't it? It's just the way that you cope to get through that period because you were like, I'm going to get my head down and sort all of this shit out that I've got to sort out, and that that's it was basically your it was kind of like a a, a goal sort of thing, is it? Yeah, and it's sort of like yeah, it it, it kept my mind occupied. So basically, that's probably what, you know, if you're going to really psychoanalyze it, I was probably just distracting myself from the actual situation by making, keeping my mind busy and, you know, being stressed about sorting everything out as opposed to dealing with, you know, the actual grief. But like you said before, blokes sort of, you know, they bottle stuff up, don't they? So they don't really, I didn't talk to anyone. I, I actually, my old boss at the tailoring firm, she said you should, she, I should see someone. So I, I went and saw like a therapist, I did like a therapist session. I found it really like strange. I just, I, I, I didn't, because it was like a bloke I'd never met and I was basically opening up how I was feeling. And I just couldn't, I, I didn't like talking about my feelings. Um, so it was, I, I found, uh, you know, I found it personally very difficult to be able to just do that with someone. But then, I don't know, it's obviously good for some people, but I just found it very strange. I don't know if, you know, plenty. Of, I've got a friend who suffered with some mental illness and I know he's seen therapists and he, he's done him a world of good. But I remember chat, chatting to the guy and we were talking about the situation and I, I'm my wife sort of, she has a guy at me sometimes because the way I am with it. <laughs> but it's, I, I said, I'm, I remember saying to the guy, I was just like, look, we can talk about it, but nothing's going to change. You know, he's dead. And it's like, like, I, I sort of was like, what's the point? <laughs> and then that's, that's my, that's me personally, right? And then that's, I, it, that was, but 
I just, I think that was, again, that was me probably with my guard up and just being, because I was still dealing with all the stuff at the time, sorting, sorting out everything. And I was just like, I haven't got time for, to chat to you, to be honest. <laughs> you know, it was just that mentality, which isn't good, but but now I can talk about it. And talking about it with you, I, we've not even met in person and this is the first sort of proper time we've had a chat. But I can, I'm, I'm maybe in it, it's because I'm, I've, I can reflect back and I'm, you know, I've not got, I'm not stressed anymore and that I can talk about it easier. So I can talk about it with anyone. And like I said to you, before, you know, before we started, I'm not I'm worried about talking about that situation. And I, I remember when I was growing up, a friend of mine's mum passed away and I just, I did, did know, did not know what to say to them. I was just like, what do I say? And, it, but I never, now, I'd never want people to feel uncomfortable because it's, about asking me about it or treading, you know, treading on eggshells around me because it's like people die at the end of the day right we're all going to die I know it's not, not being morbid but I'm all right and you get through it and my family are all right you get through it and you've got you've got to move on with, with it you know and if it but if it if it carries on affecting like it would it affected me for five years and then it's, my life started to spiral out of control drinking too much so I was unhappy once you sort of acknowledge it sort of it gets a lot better yeah and I think the main thing that you said as well is that you're happy to speak about it whereas I think if you wouldn't have been happy to speak about it then there would probably be a problem because you'd be like you are bottling up you're not telling everybody how you're feeling but even though you're quite matter of fact about it you're still speaking about it so that's a good thing yeah yeah no I, th- I think yeah just even you know thinking about it now it's if I was on, because I was uncomfortable probably talking about it at the start, and that, but that's when I was bottling up, and that's when it was a bad time in my life, and things weren't, you know, it, I wasn't looking after myself. But now that I, I, I can easily talk about it, you know, I'm, I'm, life's good, and you know, so, and that will go sort of, it's sort of round robbing back to the um, alcohol thing. I'll remove that from my life, life started getting better. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. I met one of my friends on Monday this week. So he's, um, I won't say his name, he's a firefighter and uh, his dad was a firefighter, his brother was a firefighter. About seven years ago, his brother, who was about, must have been about 32, committed suicide. Um, and my mate, Obviously, that's like devastating, right? You, you don't really know. I don't know. I, I haven't asked. You don't want to go too much into ask. You don't want to probe, right? You yeah, just want yeah. To be there for your mate. And uh, but my mate, he's he's always like an absolute bundle of like laughs. And he, he, you know, he just he is a sort of guy. Plays rugby, firefighter. He's a sort of he just wouldn't. He's never been serious. Really, I've never had a serious conversation with me, but he's one of my best mates. But his dad passed away last week of cancer. So me and my other mate met him for a drink just to check in and see how he is. And he was still the same. It's just the same old, you know, bundle of joy, cracking jokes, spoke a little bit about it. But I worry because that's devastating. He lost, he's lost his brother and his dad. Um, and he doesn't talk about it. This is what I think. He doesn't talk about it. So I'm, I am worried about him because 
I don't feel like he's talking to anyone about it. And that's the danger. It might not be, if he might be able to just to deal with it, right? But a lot of people don't. And it's the people that don't that you sort of think, right, you need to just keep an eye on them and make sure that they're... But it's like, how, how do you... How do you if I asked him like one to one, it might be, you know, he'll probably just make a joke. But I'm I'm sort of, you know, I don't want to if it's not bothering him, I shouldn't push him, but it's difficult. How do you how do you sort of get yeah, you've probably got more experience and explaining to more people about this sort of thing? I I think you've you've hit the nail on the head with like you met up with him with with one of your other mates and just like chatted to him and just were there for him. And I think that's the the main thing is in in those sort of circumstances. I mean, I've again I've not been in that situation ever, but if if it did happen to me, I'd be like, again, don't know how it feel, but you just want to know that there is somebody there for you, like, and you might not need them in that particular moment. So, like, your mate might not need you now, but further down the line, he might be willing to speak to it, and he might want to open up. But yeah. it's just it's just knowing that you're there for him. Whenever he, he, it sounds, it sounds a bit selfish, but like I think that's how people work. That when he, when he does, and if he wants to open up, he will. But just, just knowing that that person's there to open up to. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, because I, yeah, you do, you do need. You know, I, I, I needed someone, and I, you know, I think he sort of. I spoke to him the day after I found out, and um, we obviously have got something in common you know, a sad thing in common. But he sort of opened up a little bit on the phone then. Um but yeah, you're right. I think he, he might he, he can he might be able to just to deal with it, but as long as he knows I'll make sure he listens to this as well. So he can I've, he knows that he can chat to me if he needs to. Yeah and and the thing is like behind closed doors he could be talking to like a charity or something. You you just never know but it's just making yeah. sure that like if if anybody is listening to this that is is struggling, like there is a lot of good charities out there. Like you don't ha- you don't have to speak to your mates, you don't have to speak to accounts or anything like that. Because I've spoken to a charity before. I've spoken to Calm on a web chat, which is crazy because you just literally type in how you feel to somebody. But just just having those options there is is great because one day you might want to chat about it to your mate, but another day you might think, oh, I I don't want to be that vulnerable. I'll, I'll chat to a complete stranger that is where you're completely anonymous and that there is that other option so it's it's good that they're there but it's just yeah in in a kind of like friendship sort of circle sort of thing it's it's just knowing that that person's there i think yeah it's deep isn't it yeah (laughs) should we we, we line up a little bit oh god (laughs) what is your happiest place in the world uh being at home and that's that's but it's just being at home with my kids and my wife. Like I've become not I've become unsociable as I've got older, but I just like being I like being at home in the comforts of my own with and being being with the kids and my wife is sort of like that's my little world. That's my happy place. Cats or dogs? Dogs, hundred percent. Sorry, I know you've got a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all right. I like I like both. So don't trust cats when they do that clawing thing on your on your legs. <laughs> don't get oh, right. No, not happy about that. Oh, well, like the kneading thing. 
Yeah, my mate's got a, a, had a cat when I was growing up, and it used to go on my sit on my lap and then start like like getting its claws out and digging them into my legs. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't trust cats. Sorry. <laughs> each, each their own in it but I, I like i like dogs and cats but i think you start cats if it's any consolation but maybe i like cats one day yeah it's i think you need to like grow into them yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so city break or beach holiday Ooh, that's a tough one uh put it beach holiday summer or winter summer Night or day? Day. Lager or IPA? IPA. I'm surprised you said that. Yeah, well, I used to, I, 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 we started with the lager, I launched with the lager because I was a lager drinker, so I drank. And then I started getting a taste for, um, I tried some non-alcoholic IPAs, I thought, oh, they're quite nice. So I was like, right, let's make one of those. And, and then our one, yeah, I really like ours. And it's only 13 calories. So, um, I, you know, the lager's light. It's only 23 calories. But the, the RPA, to be honest, if, I would have said both. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on. And like, mate, it's been, like, thank, thanks for being, being so open. Been well open, mate. Thank you. No, thank, thanks for having me on. And like, um, no, I'm, really, I'm really glad to be sort of, you know, for, you know, be part of, of what you're doing in a small way and um i think it's brilliant and um it's good to talk you know and um you're easy to talk to so no wonder it's your your podcast is doing so well and you've had some great people on it so no thank thanks a lot for inviting me thank you mate mate that was great loved it yeah it's brilliant catch up really soon mate thanks a lot see you soon cheers mate have a good evening and you cheers bye Thank you so, so much to Johnny for coming on the Stress Sessions podcast. I say this every single week, but I'm going to say it again. I'll say it every time that I record one of these, but I'm not a specialist at this and nor are any of the guests that speak on my podcast. If you are struggling from a mental illness or have poor mental health, please visit the podcast notes where you can find a link to all of the fantastic charities that help in the world of mental health and can direct you to the help that you need. So, Thank you so, so much again to Johnny and look forward to speaking again next week. See you later. This is an advert. This is an advert. Since giving up alcohol last year for my mental health, I've been searching high and low for a zero alcohol product that still has the great taste and quality as an alcoholic one. And I think I've finally found the one in Unlimited Beer. In fact, with a choice of lager and an IPA, Unlimited Beer has got me covered from all angles. Whether I'm watching football at home or planning a barbecue with mates in the warm weather, I can have a few cheeky bottles without the alcoholic content, and most importantly, without the hangover. Whether you're teetotal or are considering giving up alcohol for a while, or are just sober curious, why not try Unlimited Beer? At just 23 calories a bottle, you just can't go wrong. And by entering the discount code LUKE10 at the checkout, you'll receive 10% off any order through www.unlimited.beer. That's www.unltd.beer.